Anna Lopen. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on November 9th, 2021, and is current through the Star Trek Prodigy episode, Starstruck, so beware of spoilers. And if you are in one of the regions where Star Trek Prodigy has not yet aired, and you are trying to stay spoiler-free, be sure to check out the episode article on TrekCore for time codes for each of our Prodigy stories to avoid them tonight. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 40-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are multiple television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me, and I'll help you sort the real facts from lots of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone, and my guest this week runs the Star Trek The Motion Picture Visual Comparisons Twitter account and website. It's Drew Stewart. Drew, welcome to Weekly Trek. Hi, Alex. It's great to be here. All right, Drew. I ask my guests this question every week. I want to know something that's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Believe it or not, it's Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm most known for... Star Wars visual comparisons, where I compare the original theatrical version of Star Wars to the special edition. And when they announced that the 4K version of the director's edition of Star Trek The Motion Picture was going to come out, I decided to shift my efforts over into in back into Star Trek. So I've been immersing myself in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Like, I, I did my comparisons. You can find them on my Twitter account at Star Trek VizComp, V-I-S-C-O-M-P. But I've been immersing myself in just the lore and the behind the scenes of Star Trek, the motion picture. And it's wild. And it, it gets me excited about the director's edition because like reading all these books and these articles about how Robert Wise came into the project it was already over budget and behind schedule and the writers are fighting the vfx department is just being too ambitious and they had to be fired and then like these titans of vfx come in to try to fix it and they get it all done like two days before the movie's supposed to come out because the studio promised that the movie would come out like the fact that it exists is amazing and the fact that Star Trek The Motion Picture is as good as it is and looks as good as it does is miraculous. And it just gets me really excited about the team being able to go back and fulfill Robert Wise's dream of having to finish the movie, to actually have the time to finish the movie in a format that's future proof. And it's just, it's, it's great for his memory. And I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, the Director's Edition DVD is a treasured part of my Star Trek collection. And when I tend to watch Star Trek The Motion Picture, I will normally flip on the Director's Edition, even if it is standard definition compared to the high-def and now 4K theatrical version of the motion picture. Because I love the idea that it's the finished version of the movie with the director's sort of original vision that, as you say, he never got to because the production was so troubled that 
they just sort of got to a point where it was like, okay, this is a finished movie. It's going to the theaters now because we just don't have time to do anything more with it. I, you know, I'm thinking even down to the level of, I guess I, I heard listening to Darren Docterman talk on the Inglorious Trexperts about the motion picture director's edition that the title card for the motion picture theatrical edition is white because the the title of Star Trek motion picture is that the text is white because they did not have the time to add in color to the text to make it not white. That was not the original plan for it. I mean, you know, all those kind of little bits and pieces throughout the whole movie. But yeah, as you say, I mean, just the fact that the theatrical edition itself is a complete movie and one that holds such a special place in the heart of so many Star Trek fans, even for all of the troubled history, even for the fact that Robert Wise always felt like the movie was unfinished and didn't live up to his original vision, is a true testament to the start of that movie and all of the subsequent movies that came after and all of the subsequent TV shows that came after that owe it not just to the original series, but also to Star Trek The Motion Picture. And I don't know if you realize, but a few days ago from when we were recording was the 20th anniversary of that DVD. Oh, nice. It's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. (laughs) I remember getting that and popping it open and thinking how cool it was that, you know, in this DVD era, we were getting new versions of of this movie to watch. That was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That release, like, redefined Star Trek releases. I mean, like, they literally went back they'd worked their way back to the motion picture and then re-released them all again, going the other direction because of like the bonus features and the two disc and everything Mm -hmm. like, like the director's edition just changed the way that not only that movie was seen, but all the Star Trek movies were seen. And you have to think that like the HD remaster of the original series and then the HD remaster of the next generation also kind of owe it themselves to the motion picture director's edition. This idea that if you take the existing product and make it as good as possible that people will come back and buy it again. And that will be another reason for them to kind of return to this, you know, piece of Star Trek history, I think, you know, only help pave the way for some of those other bigger projects as well that came later. Absolutely. All right. Well, the thing I'm feeling good about Star Trek this week is very, very different. It's my way of sneaking an extra news story in, but I am genuinely feeling good about it. This is that X06, the company that makes one six scale Star Trek figures, announced their latest release this week, which will be The Doctor from Star Trek Voyager, the emergency medical hologram. And I'm feeling particularly good about this one because... It's a one six figure, which, you know, they're not the cheapest thing in the world. They're $189 a piece, but this will be the fourth figure that they've made after Data from First Contact, Picard from First Contact, Captain Janeway, and now the EMH. And I'm feeling really good about it because yes, the Doctor is a very popular character, but he's also a super obscure one from the perspective of your fourth major release coming out of the gate of these one six figures is not Kirk or Spock or even Cisco or Archer. It's the Doctor from Star Trek Voyager. And I think that is A, very encouraging for the prospect of getting Cisco and Archer and the other captains and the other huge characters and new versions of Kirk and Spock and McCoy from the ones they released uh, when the team behind XO6 was at QMX doing the same thing, but also for getting other really obscure characters as well, right? Like, I'd love to get a Captain Archer, 
but I'd also love to get a T'Pol and a Malcolm Reed and a Harry Kim. And if we're at already at the level of doing the Doctor at this point, that's very encouraging and very exciting. I mean, the only other sort of Doctor merchandise that's ever existed is the original Playmates figure that was released for the Doctor when Star Trek Voyager came out, when there was that sort of short run of Voyager figures. So this is our second piece of the Doctor merchandise beyond the holograms handbook that Robert Picardo helped write. And uh, yeah, so very exciting. I'm in for this one. I've been in for the three previous releases as well. And uh, looking forward to this one coming out. I love six scale figures. Like I had one that I won on Twitter. I didn't buy one myself. Which one? I mean, I had a, a Captain America. Oh, very nice. And he was, I mean, it was glorious, but it, it's one of those things where I can't collect something because i'll want to get them all <laughs> yeah that's so my if problem i get right now. the doctor i'll be like well i'll need janeway and well <laughs> yeah, you know I, right. I also need i love the first contact outfit so i'll you know i'll get picard and data I, I just know how i am and i can't do that but man my favorite character the doctor and janeway like my wife loves janeway i mean it could have been a great no 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 i can be good <laughs> <laughs> it is a very very slippery slope All right, well, with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. Get ready for more Star Trek Prodigy. Viacom CBS have announced that they have ordered more episodes for the family-friendly Star Trek show following their initial order of 20 episodes from the show's original pickup. Interestingly, the original 20 episodes, which were billed as seasons one and two by Secret Hideout executive Heather Caden when the show was first announced a couple of years ago, are actually now being labeled as one complete season, with the additional episodes labeled as season two. Viacom CBS won't say how many additional episodes the show has been picked up for, but Prodigy's first season will now last 20 episodes. I think one of the other reasons we thought an initial 20 episode pickup was going to be two seasons was because that's what happened with Lower Decks. It was Two seasons, 20 episodes, 10 episode first season, 10 episode second season. We assume the same was going to happen for Prodigy 2, but actually, nope, turns out Prodigy won 20 episode seasons. That's really exciting. And in addition, Viacom CBS also announced that the show will be taking a break after the first five episodes finished broadcasting on Paramount Plus on November 18th. The show's holiday break will last until January 6, 2022, when it will return for the last five episodes of the first half of season one. The second half of season one, which is the next 10 episodes of the show, are expected late in 2022. This means that unlike our original expectations when we thought the 10 episodes of Prodigy would run consecutively, Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Discovery will initially only overlap on November 18th for the season four premiere, and then again in January for the latter half of Discovery season four. No reason has officially been given for the delay in the next five episodes of Prodigy, but it is common, I am told, for animated series to have a break for the holidays. Kids have other things on their mind, like Christmas, and it may allow the production team more time for final tweaks on those last five episodes. Drew, we are getting more episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. How are you feeling about the news of a 20-episode season one, a season two, and the slightly bad news of the mid-season break? I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, I had also assumed that, you know, we get a 10-episode season. 10 episodes is just how it works on streamers now. And now now they're like, no, 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 20 episodes. It's like, that's a lot of goodness all at once. And then they're like, no, no, there's breaks in between them. I'm like, but I don't want breaks between Mm -hmm. them. My issue is that I've been watching it with a friend's daughter, and he has a daughter. And he lives on the West Coast, and, and we've 
we stream it at the same time. He watches it with his daughter and I watch it on my own, but he has been having to explain to her how TV works because <laughs> yep. she, she only ever, she's seven. She's only ever watched stuff on YouTube. Uh-huh. So like, no, no, it comes out weekly. All right. And then, and then in a couple of weeks, we're going to be like, but not this week. Oh like, no. no, you're going to have to wait. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're not teaching the kids anymore how, how weekly releases work. Oh, wow. That's so funny. I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about this second season for Prodigy. I mean, I you know, I think the show's delightful right out of the gate. These first two episodes are a ton of fun. You know, we sort of talked last week about the, you know, prospect for a Prodigy movie that was raised by a Bruce Reed, the now Paramount Pictures CEO, who when he was at Nickelodeon had greenlit the show in the first place. And and, you know, I think there's a ton of confidence about this show. Clearly, we're only two episodes in and it's already been picked up for more episodes. Lots of excitement from the Hageman brothers, from Aaron Waltke, others on the crew online about the prospect of getting back into doing more of this show and super exciting. I mean, you know, it sounds it's sort of it's very much like a 90s fan thing to say. But hey, we're going to get a 20 episode season of Star Trek again. And it's been a long time since we've had anything more than the 13 episodes we get from Star Trek Discovery. So that's really exciting. I mean, we're really looking at gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh man, and only four series that have 13 episodes a season. <laughs> like if they stagger it just right, we could have new Trek year round. Oh yeah. I mean, and I think we're going to, I mean, I'm convinced that with the exception of potentially a week or two, we are pretty much locked in now to new Star Trek, assuming there's no Yahtzee strike because I guess they're voting on the deal this weekend. Actually, by the time this episode drops, we'll probably know whether they are back at the bargaining table or not. But um, assuming there is no strike action in Hollywood, I'm convinced that with the exception of a week or two, we'll have new Star Trek between now and at the very least the late summer of next year. I mean, if you told me five years ago that I would be living in a world where I can one day a week watch a new Star Wars show and then like the next day watch a star trek show like this is a renaissance for me like <laughs> sure. this is just this is just my life like i've always switched back and forth between star wars and star trek and now i just have them both at the same time yeah i mean cuz you love star trek discovery and then yeah book of boba fett starts up right at, right around the christmas period and that'll run for a while and so yeah it'll be book of boba fett discovery and prodigy throughout january that's not bad at all it's amazing who's your favorite character on prodigy so far rock talk me too me too rock talk hive are rising my favorite <laughs> character on the show so far she only made me cry like three times in the last episode. <laughs> same same <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, by the time folks have listened to this, the third episode will have come out and we're recording a little early this week. So it has not come out yet. So we're just going off of Lost and Found and Starstruck, but tons already that speak very highly at this show. And so cannot wait for more episodes. Agreed. Well, Star Trek Discovery season four is right around the corner premiering later this week by the time you're listening to this with the season four opener Kobayashi Maru. The next three episodes of season four are entitled Anomaly, 
choose to live and all is possible, which gives some tantalizing hints at what the episodes might entail. And also, very interesting point, Anomaly, the very first episode, I think, of Star Trek that is an exact copy of a title of a previous episode, that being Anomaly from Star Trek Enterprise Season 3. Preview coverage for Season 4 is also ramping up, with interviews with cast and crew being published by multiple outlets online. Discovery showrunner Michelle Paradise talked to io9 about how season four was written, including the threat of the dangerous anomaly that will serve as the underpinning for the season-long arc to echo many of the emotions and challenges caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. She said, quote, We started asking ourselves, Trek has a history of looking at the world around it. We do that every season. We're doing it that this season. And we were looking at what the pandemic is doing emotionally. How is it impacting people? From there kind of came the big themes of the season, of uncertainty and also optimism and hope, and the idea that if we all come together and figure it out, the anomaly was really born out of that. It's not really a one-to-one, the anomaly isn't making people ill, we're not doing a pandemic season, just emotionally it's exploring the place that we are all in. And reflecting on the role of the Discovery crew in the 32nd century after the events of season three, Paradise said, I think the crew cemented their place in many ways in season three, and certainly at the end, the Discovery crew were the ones who went out and ultimately figured out what the burn was and what that meant, and that it's not going to impact us anymore. I think to some degree, they are kind of the vanguard of the Federation as it goes out and continues to grow. Hopefully, people will feel a lot of confidence in that and comfort in that with Burnham in the chair and just understanding that our heroes are on the job and that it's going to take all of us, but you know, they'll figure it out. And on Michael Burnham's role as captain in season four, series star Sonequin Martin-Green had this to say, It's not like every aspect of being a captain is easy breezy. There's still a lot of things for Burnham to learn. A lot of things that the role itself requires that I know Burnham didn't realize going into it. So yeah, you're going to see all of that, which I think is wildly interesting. Drew, are you looking forward to season four of Star Trek Discovery? I am. I'm looking forward to all new Star Trek. I'm one of those types that I will watch it if it has the label. (laughs) Yeah, right. Me too. No, I, I really enjoyed Discovery. I keep waiting to like really fall for the crew. There are times where I get close where I'm like, oh, I like these characters, but then it kind of like falls apart for me. Yeah. But but I'm I'm always looking forward to the new season. I really think that it improved after we went into the far future. I think now that they've like found their place and they've got their upgraded ship and Burnham is actually captain now. I, I think that maybe the show, like the, the prologue is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe the show will begin. Yeah, I thought season three was the best season of the show, and I'm hoping that a lot of the things that I liked about season three will continue into season four with the addition of, because they've now solved the burn, there's this sort of rebuild the Federation aspect to it, Mm -hmm. and that we can kind of build back in some of those more familiar elements of, you know, the future being a bit less dystopian, a bit more hopeful and optimistic. I mean, obviously we have this kind of big bad that underlines the season, which is the anomaly in this case. You know, what's the anomaly? What's it doing? How are we going to figure it out? How are we going to stop it? But I'm hoping for a look at some of these other pieces of society in the 32nd century and exploring some of the really interesting things from season three. And I kind of think we will, right? Like that third episode, Choose to Live, that's a very familiar phrase to anybody who's watched season one of Star Trek Picard, that being the Coat Balat, which we saw obviously 
obviously come up in Star Trek Discovery oh. Season 3 and Unification 3. So I'm going to guess Choose to Live, the episode, is going to have a Coat Malat tie-in. That seems you know, like it's probably a slam dunk in terms of what that episode is going to be about, which potentially means more Nevar stuff, which I'm, re- I'm looking forward to more of an exploration of that. I think the little tease of it that we got in Season 3 was really tantalizing, and I would like to understand more about that planet, and I really hope that's something that they lean into on the show. I agree. I forgot about Unification 3. <laughs> oh, great episode. The Spock archival footage from the records of Admiral yeah. Jean-Luc Picard. Mm, I eat it up. I love cross-referencing. So, and I, and I hope that it does tie into Picard more. I think that there's a, a lot of potential there besides Lower Decks, which is all references. Sure. I think that, that the other shows could stand to reference each other a little bit. You had mentioned, you know, sort of getting close to falling in love with the characters, but still not quite being there. Are there any particular characters that you would like this season to spend more time with? I love Tilly. Mm -hmm. I want more Tilly. I also... See, the thing is, I can't remember any of their names, like, especially <laughs> between seasons. Yeah, right. I love Navigator and Tactical. Uh, yeah, Owo and Detmer. Yes, Owo and Detmer. I want, I want more of them. I'd love to know anything about them. <laughs> and uh, it, it looked like we were getting there, and then it, it kind of didn't happen. Yeah. So I, I'm really looking. I'm looking forward to to things coming together for them, so that we get a better idea of some of these crew, like. I mean, I guess we didn't learn too much about Chekhov and Sulu, but like right. they had episodes where they were featured at least. Yeah, I like Discovery. I like the big arcs. Uh, I wish I knew the crew a bit more. I'm more looking forward to Strange New Worlds, of course. I feel like the lack of arcs and and the ability to have just episodes focusing on particular things will will help us, help me appreciate that more. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm also really curious what the impact of COVID's going to be on this season. And obviously they certainly have not kind of dialed back on the ambition behind the show. You can tell that from the trailer and from what we already understand about the storyline that's going to play itself out over the season. But this season was filmed in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm very curious to see how that potentially shows up on screen when we start seeing these episodes. Will it be noticeable that everybody's standing six feet apart from each other? I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be that obvious, but I wonder if it will have an impact on the way that the story is presented and the way the episodes are structured. I think that they can handle it. And besides, I mean, like there's a picture in the article of the bridge, which is huge. I mean, they could absolutely film an entire episode on the bridge and no one get within six feet of each other yeah, right well in an encouraging move paramount plus have now added back all the star trek movies to the service and rounded it out with the addition finally of star trek 2009 that means as of today all 13 star trek movies are now available on paramount plus And while it's not perfect, the first 10 Star Trek movies are still the old Blu-ray transfers rather than the new transfers that were completed for the 4K discs. You can now watch every episode and movie of Star Trek on the service, which is real progress. I am very hard on Paramount Plus a lot of the time. I will note the audio of the Cook narration at the start of the original series is still very much broken, but credit where credit is due. We asked for the Star Trek movies and now we have them only about... 
what, seven months after they did their little commercial at the Paramount Plus Investors Day in which they said that all the Star Trek movies would be on Paramount Plus. But hey, who's counting? So, Drew, I know obviously you're a huge motion picture fan, but break it down for me. What is your second and third favorite Star Trek movies after the motion picture? No, I mean, I was excited about the motion picture. I wouldn't say it's my fave. All right. So which one's your favorite? <laughs> oh, let's see here. My favorite, not the best, but my favorite is Voyage Home. Okay. And the best is? <laughs> the best is Wrath of Khan. Mm, good choices. And what would be your number three? That would be Undiscovered Country. Oh, very nice. Rounded out with the big three, the, the Nick Meyer special. Yeah, I'm, I'm a simple guy. <laughs> and how are you liking? I mean, you, I know you're a big movie guy in terms of being you know, very observant of production details and everything. I actually will admit I have not had, I went to see the voyage home in theaters. That's the only exposure I've gotten to the 4k transfers. Break it down for me. How do the 4k versions of the movies, the first four movies compare with what was in the Blu-rays? They are markedly better, but they're not flawless. Uh huh. Like I feel that it's disappointing to me because Star Trek is important. Like all the movies are important in their own way and deserve to be preserved in the way that they were originally presented. But like, there's just weird digital noise reduction effects, like bright things will be on screen a frame after. You can't really see it in motion, but you can see it if you're taking screenshots, which is mm -hmm. what I do. So it's like, mm. and then they they made the mistake of fixing stuff in the motion picture. Like there's the shot of the enterprise leaving the dry dock and there's a, a model arm that blocks out the view of the dry dock. It's always been there. They complain about it in this return to tomorrow book that I read. They complained about it as soon as the movie came out, the people who made it, but it shouldn't have been on them to fix it. It's the director's edition yeah. should fix it. And they fixed it sloppily and badly and it makes that whole shot is soft, like in a way that it's never looked before. And it's just, that's disappointing. One of the most dramatic shots in the motion picture is ruined in the theatrical version. Hopefully yeah. the director's edition version looks better. I trust them more than I trust random paramount restoration person <laughs> right yeah weird they would have made a small fix like that you know especially with the director's edition coming next year when the movie basically gets entirely rebuilt yeah it's very strange i don't understand but overall an improvement from from what we had with the 2009 blu-rays the colors are better the details better it's definitely worth a purchase or watching or streaming if you have the ability to do that paramount <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny I, the motion picture director's edition is coming in 4k but on a previous episode we were talking about how paramount plus doesn't even do 4k yet so hopefully that means that when that does come out they will finally have upgraded so that they are offering 4k as an option otherwise their signature motion picture director's edition exclusive paramount plus 4k remaster release will not be quite as impressive as it could be now i i did read in this this article on trek movie that into darkness is in 4k oh interesting. So they're, they're, they're poking the 4k bear got it 
Oh, that's good. 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 Yeah. You know, I hope the that they practice because I would hate for <laughs> them to premiere the director's edition and it'd be like, oh, sorry, you know, Dolby Vision isn't ready yet. And so right. here it is in, in standard definition again. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they are welcome to practice as much as they want to with Star Trek in a Darkness. Absolutely. <laughs> but give us a shifting aspect ratio, then we'll be happy. That's yeah, what Disney right. Plus is doing now. Uh huh. Well, and lastly, this week, Eagle Moss have made good on their promise of ships from Star Trek Lower Decks by launching pre-orders for an XL model of the USS Cerritos in the US and UK Hero Collector online stores. Measuring 10 inches in length, the XL size Cerritos kicks off a Lower Decks collection from Eagle Moss, which will begin with the Cerritos and has already been announced, will include the USS Titan. We expect other ships from the show to follow in due time. The Cerritos can be pre-ordered now for a January release for $74.95 in the US Hero Collector Store and £59.99 in the UK Hero Collector Store. Drew, you said the one six figures were not something that you could even dip your toe into collecting. Does the same hold true for the Eagle Moss Starships as well? Or have you maybe picked up a couple of those in the last few years? I have picked up a couple of those. Which ones? You're right. Uh, I bought a pack that had Voyager, Excelsior, and Defiant. Oh, very nice. And the Defiant was broken. Ah. So I emailed them and was like, hey, the Defiant's broken on this. Can you send me a new Defiant? They sent me another three pack. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two Voyagers. I sold the Excelsior and Defiant online, but I kept the two Voyagers because that's all I wanted. It was cheaper for me to get the three pack to get Voyager than it was. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I have an Ego Moss book that came with the TOS Enterprise and a different one that came with the Enterprise A. And I think that's it. I don't think I bought any like individually yet. But these XLs, oh, I want them real bad. Ooh, My yeah. best friend has the Discovery Enterprise. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, as much as people might say about the Discovery redesign of the Enterprise, it is one pretty ship. It's so pretty. But like the Cerritos, I would love a giant Cerritos. I am kind of disappointed that they made such a big deal. Like we changed the model that we used for season two. And like it's improved in this way, in this way, in this way. And then then Eagle Moss is just like, here's the model from season one. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. No. You were so close. <laughs> but the fact that Titan is next. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I love that design. And I love that this fan design from a contest for the novels years ago is still around. Yeah. And is completely, totally canon now. Like that's Super exciting. I didn't read any of the Titan novels, but I was always really excited to know that a fan had designed the Titan. And then it's like, well, here it is now. Here's a model of it. Here's here it is in the ship in the show. And it's like, what? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, it's a really terrific design. And I'm looking forward to the Cerritos and I pre-ordered the Cerritos, but getting that XL Titan in the lower decks kind of they made a a couple of minor changes to the design not really noticeable ones but i'm really looking forward to getting that next that one is definitely going in pride of place i really 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 like the titan ship design i guess you know it's taken them almost a year and a half to get the cerritos out after lower decks premiered because it sounds like there's way more of a process of creating the models for this one than there is for the other modern star trek shows 
shows where it's just sort of a plug and play, you know, they, they kind of CBS sort of sends over the digital model for like discovery ships and Picard ships. And those are really easy to make into physical models, but these sort of whatever the way they do the animated ships is, it takes them quite a bit longer to kind of translate that into something that can be manufactured. So I, I assume that's the reason why this is the season one Cerritos rather than the season two Cerritos, because they've been working on it for a while and just, you know, it'll take them a while to do an update to do season two. But yeah, still super cool. I'm This one is definitely coming out and going in the case with the other hero ships when I get it in. I don't have enough room. I I only have one room in my house that I'm allowed to do whatever I want with. (laughs) I just bought a, a giant Lego Star Wars cantina that I already don't know where to put. Oh, very nice. (laughs) Very nice. I can't have ships too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so not Cerritos, not Titan. What was your favorite ship design from Star Trek Lower Decks? That wasn't the Cerritos or wasn't the Titan and you from either season one or two. Oh, man. Um, Dang. I like those two so much. I can't even think of any of the others. It would be fun to get that Vulcan ship that we saw in in Voyage Thuj. I think that that I like the the slickness of the Vulcan ships and how it's like, it's an enterprise kind of style, which I, I appreciate them uh, referencing. Yeah. I, that one I would really like. I, I really like the Vulcan ship designs from enterprise and the sort of 24th century spin on it makes it all the better. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've talked about the facts and now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, captain, but it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, I and my guests give you a wish or theory we're nurturing about any of the shows or the future of the franchise. So Drew, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. My wish is the same wish that I've had for many, many years. And it's, I need a warp core lamp. (laughs) I wrote to Think Geek, you know, every year when they were like, here's here's all the April Fool's jokes. And I'm like, no, no, you need to make a warp core lamp. Like, it'd be super easy barely inconvenience you just you take a core and you light it up like it could have led rings i'm Mm -hmm. I'm imagining we start with the tng one and you could change the colors so that your room's not blue all the time but like just have it pulse and put a speaker in it that makes the sound you know the the we load it up on youtube all the time you know the nice soothing warp core sound you know just have it be like a sleep machine (laughs) That just lulls you to sleep and make one for the motion picture and Voyager and like just one for each ship and have it make different sounds and, you know, make it a Bluetooth speaker. I don't care. But I hope that Star Trek Unlimited with their unlimited designs will make me a warp core lamp. Did you get the Enterprise D warp core car charger when that came out? It's not good enough. Yeah. I didn't it's too get small. it because it's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Plus it only goes in your car. Right. I, I appreciate the idea of a mini warp core for your car, but no, I need I need a lamp in my house. And I will buy that. I will collect all of those. You've heard it here first. <laughs> and I know that John from Star Trek Unlimited is listening to the occasional episode of this show. So he is hoping he is tuned in and is thinking about this one. I think I have actually seen a 3D printed fan made yeah. version of a TNG walk core, and it's terrific. I'm currently having difficulty with my 3D printer, so I can't 
I'd rather trust them to take care of it than, sure. than me have to print it, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then figure out how to do the lights and how to make right, the pulse exactly. that way. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I would love that too. That would definitely be something that would go in pride of place in the one and a half rooms that I have the ability to do whatever I want with them in. <laughs> Okay, so my wish for this week is a very simple one. We've talked about Prodigy and we've talked about Lower Decks. I really want art of Lower Decks and art of Star Trek Prodigy books. So Drew, knowing that you're a huge Star Wars fan as well, one of my favorite things that Star Wars puts out in the publishing world is these huge glorious art of insert name of Star Wars movie or Star Wars TV show here. And I want one of those for these two animated shows, both of which have very different animation styles, but both of which the art is utterly gorgeous. I would like to see more concepts. I would like to see some of the, you know, kind of still art from the various different shows, especially for Prodigy, which is just off the wall amazing in terms of the level and quality of the CGI animation that it has. I personally would buy both of those books in a heartbeat. I'm sure lots of other people would too. I know they're very popular on the Star Wars side amongst Star Wars fans. I think what better way to start off with doing something like that for the Star Trek franchise than with the two animated shows from the franchise. Drew, what do you think? I would absolutely love to see that. The Lower Decks one would be fun, but I really think that that Prodigy... I mean, just in the three episodes we've seen, the four episodes, I'm sure that that everybody else has seen by the time they're listening to this, like there's just so much beautiful stuff. Like I, I really would love to see the painterly concept art for half of the stuff that we've seen. I'd love the art of books. I don't own them. Again, I don't want to collect them all, but I'm very tempted by them. I really like the idea of Star Trek really embracing that art of concept i'll tell you what though if you haven't picked it up the art of the motion picture is a very good book i do have that one okay yeah i i I figured i just wanted to double check (laughs) (laughs) do you have a theory or a wish for discovery picard strange new worlds lower decks or prodigy that you'd like to share tweet them to me at weekly trek or email them to me at weekly trek at the tricordertransmissions.com and i might feature your theory in a future episode Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Drew Stewart, for joining me today. Drew, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? They can contact me on Twitter at Star Trek VizComp, S-T-A-R-T-R-E-K-V-I-S-C-O-M-P. I I don't know why I spelled the whole thing, but... (laughs) I use mostly my, my Star Trek account, my Star Wars account, which is the same thing I just spelled, but with wars instead of Trek. And I, if you want to talk to me about Star Wars, you can go over there. If you want to talk to me Star Trek, find me at the Star Trek one. And I try to keep them separate so that uh, I can remember what I'm talking about. And if you are a fan of either franchise, I highly recommend checking out Drew's accounts. The walkthrough of the changes between the Motion Picture Theatrical Edition and the Motion Picture Director's Edition are fabulous. All I knew up until that point was that I I really liked the Director's Edition, but I didn't know why. And now I have a much clearer understanding of what all the different changes were. And it's really interesting to bury into. So thank you for doing that for everybody. No problem. My pleasure. It's a lot of fun. 
And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Drew. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper.